I'm Megan Hale, and you're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a feel-good podcast on creating joy in life, work, and love. Join me every Monday and Thursday for practical tools that speak to the soul to create a life you love. It's Transformational Thursday, everyone, and I am really excited for my next guest, Season 2. I'm going to be speaking to Kelly Elizabeth Scott, who is a leadership coach and story strategist. She's going to be sharing three top tips for creating more joy in life, work, and love today, and they're powerful little nuggets of wisdom, so I'm really excited to share our conversation with you. Kelly is a story strategist and transformational coach under the transformational coaching method of the Holistic MBA. She graduated summa cum laude from the University of Mary Washington with a Bachelor of Science and Honors degree in Mathematics. After spending two years post-grad as a full-time systems engineer for the Department of the Navy, Kelly began her entrepreneurial journey as the founder of The Fearless Footprint and KellyElizabethScott.com. Through private intensives, Kelly helps rising thought leaders and coaches clarify their story, craft their core message, and create content that transforms and converts. She believes that if you want to design a beautiful life, create a body of work, and craft a brand that inspires, empowers, and sparks bold action, then you have to start with a story. Now, you guys know that story work is a huge piece of what I do, and unraveling our stories to find our truth is some of the most powerful work we can ever do. So I'm so excited to speak with Kelly today and share her wisdom with you. She's also offering you a free gift, so make sure you check that out in the show notes as well as how to connect with her online. All right, let's share our conversation with you today. Here's Kelly. Welcome back to the Enoughness Revolution, everyone. I have a very special guest with me here today. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. So everyone has already heard a little bit about you, and we're going to be diving into the power of story today. And I think that this is especially powerful for anyone, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, because we all have a life story. And I think when we can really dig into our story, own it for what it is, we start to release a lot of our self-judgment. We start to see the power in our life experiences. And I think that this is part of the process of awakening to our purpose. So I'm so excited to hear your take on all of this today. Oh, I am so excited to dive into it. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It's owning it for what it is. So not trying to change it, making anything different, but really being able to own everything that we've been through exactly for what it is and, and see that purpose in it. Yeah. So I'm curious for you, how did you arrive to this realization of the power of story? It's been slow for me. So it's always kind of been there as something that I'm intrigued by, but I would say that the idea of story specifically happened uh, very organically and very slowly. So when I started writing, it was just kind of writing about my relationship to food. I had a very unhealthy relationship to food, relationship to body, which eventually led to kind of my relationship to myself and learning, you know, what is compassion, what is self-care, what is self-love, and what does that look like for me? Because for the longest time, I thought my well being was solely determined by what I ate and how much I worked out. Like that was it. Those were the only two things that mattered. And that's what 
almost gave me worth that and, and of course my achievements. Yeah. <laughs> and so being able to dive into that it was just my, my story with the relationship to food, my story with body, my story with self, and that eventually led, uh, led me into more of this self-care and this bigger idea. And then my writing evolved, and I started writing about things that were happening, not just things that I had been going through in, in a bigger sense, like a relationship to food is, is a bigger thing, but also just everyday things that were happening. I've had a lot of transitions in my life the last six months or so, um, bought a house, got engaged, we got a puppy, moved across country. And so I started writing about all of that, realizing like writing this down, sharing my story, the bits, the pieces, the good and the bad was really powerful, not just for me, but for other people. And so I love sharing stories because I think it empowers us to own exactly what's happening, exactly what we're going through and exactly what we're learning because that's kind of that most important part like what can you learn from this and then it also really really empowers other people because getting to hear me too or getting to hear like oh I've also been through that but look where I am now like that is one of the best gifts that we can either be given or give to somebody else I totally totally agree I feel like you've like been living my life because the past six months I've had all these life changes too. <laughs> Like, and it does get really messy. And I think that the messy parts are the hardest for us to share because oh, yeah. we're, we're still trying to like find our feet. We're still trying to get our feet on the ground in a sense. And for me, I remember just feeling very like disoriented in my life. And I think when you're kind of floating around <laughs> in your world and you don't really know how to make sense of everything at that moment to share that in between. That's like the most vulnerable part. Oh, I completely agree with you. And then I think it's that, I mean, especially for like high achievers and, and people who are used to like getting stuff done, being busy, when you're throwing up your feet up like that, you're like in robot mode. You're like, now I'm just doing stuff. I don't really feel anything. I'm not really connected to my life. I'm not connected to the people in it. It's a very weird limbo state. Mm -hmm. um, and then to actually sit with that and be like, I'm going to share this somehow is terrifying. <laughs> But then there's so many people who are like waiting on the other side to be like, thank you. You said exactly what I needed to hear right now. Like, that's exactly what I'm going through. Well, it's so funny because in those moments, um, you know, I feel like shame likes to tell us that we're like the only ones that are going through that are the only ones that experience that are the only ones that like feel like this. And so what that does is it like isolates us where we kind of like put the walls up and like, well, I'm just going to hide back here by myself and deal with this on my own. And then once I'm through it, I'll come out and I'll start talking about it. And I've noticed that it's like, that's totally my path. And I have to challenge myself to open up. In, in those challenging moments of letting other people in because that's when we need people the most. I'm in the middle of learning a lot right now about intrusive pain because I'm realizing as a high performer, I also have high anxiety. And so I have to dive into that. What can I learn from it? And intrusive pain is one of those things for me. It's intrusive thoughts. So those thoughts that keep swirling around in our head, like I'm the only one or you're not enough or this isn't good enough or that story is too messy or this is too shameful, swirl around in our head to keep us safe, right? Because they're telling us we're isolated. We're the only ones. Don't share that. You're going to be shunned and nobody's going to love you. And so it's having to like release that and say, this isn't true this is false and then most importantly taking an action that supports this being false which is telling somebody else somebody that you trust of course to start but telling somebody else even telling yourself sometimes first can be the the best next step is just admitting whatever it is that you're so afraid to dive into yeah I agree and like honesty with self like that can sometimes be the hardest first step or even um for me like giving myself permission to feel whatever I'm feeling like Oh, yes. It's okay. Like you're not supposed to have it all together all the time. Nobody does. 
That's not I was, It's not. So I was sitting yesterday. This is perfect timing because just yesterday I woke up in the morning, I start my day and I'm like, I'm sad. I'm like, oh, why am I feeling sad? And then I'm like, there's nothing I'm excited about today. And all of a sudden it was just like, oh my gosh, this overwhelming feeling of sadness. And then that's when it clicked for me. I was like, Kelly, you can't numb out to donuts or to Netflix or to busyness to make yourself not sad. Like for a moment, you just have to feel it, sit with it. It's super uncomfortable. It's weird. It's uncertain. And then a couple hours later, I found myself totally back to normal and I was excited again and there were things that happy, but it's like that moment when you realize, okay, whatever it is that I'm feeling, I, I literally just have to sit here in my body with it and let it be 100% okay. Oh my gosh. So let's talk about this concept because I just did a podcast episode. It was episode, what was it? 78. And it was titled giving meaning to unhappiness. And it talks about how we judge ourselves when we're not happy. So my go-to thought when I'm feeling sad is something's wrong or something's wrong with me. So it's interesting because when we're sad, this is a totally normal human experience. Like our whole life landscape is full of ups and downs, especially with emotions. Like emotions are very, um, they're very fleeting and they have a lot of movement, right? So for me, like, it's interesting that we judge sadness or we judge grief or we judge, um, I don't know, any of the ones we deem as negative, but yet when we're like in these happy states, like the judgment doesn't come up. So it's curious to me that there's this phenomenon and I think it's very culturally uh, supported that we're supposed to be happy. And so when we're not, we feel like something is wrong. Do you experience that when you're like sad or down? Oh, absolutely. I think we're being fed, especially through social media. So many pictures of happy, perfect, good. And these like, oh, fix it, right? Take actions, fix it. If something's wrong, fix it. You can make it better, which absolutely you can. But I mean, it's like you said, like up and down. I mean, those are the range of emotions and, and we can't feel full, complete joy without also being able to feel full, complete loss and sadness. Like both of them exist in life. We're probably going to feel them at some point in our lives. And so to be able to fully experience the positive, quote unquote, range of emotions, we also have to be able to fully experience the, quote unquote, negative range of emotions, uh, which is super difficult to do because we are being fed images and words and affirmations about turning every negative emotion into something positive immediately. Yeah, I agree. So I'm, I'm curious about your personal journey, especially as it relates to, to food and body and achievement. As you started to dig into your story, did you realize that you had to rewrite it? Oh gosh. Yeah. Still rewriting it. It's always a, a rewriting process. <laughs> Revision number 730. <laughs> It's true. And there's always something else to dive into. So I did a bunch of work, uh, gosh, a couple of years ago at this point around food. And I thought like I got in a really good place. I was like, go team. Like I'm so pumped about this. Same thing with body. And then I went into the new transitions I was talking about earlier. And I, now I have to dive into everything on another deep level. Because now it's not just what's my relationship to food, but what's my relationship to food when I'm totally stressed out and going through all of these transitions that are causing total inner chaos at the same time. So it's learning how to take care of myself and love myself and be curious with myself and compassionate with myself on all these deeper levels. And I feel like that's what allows us to just kind of like keep peeling back the layers. And for me, the performance, so my, my worth being tied into 
my performance and my achievement and affirmation really didn't come up for me until just recently. So it's been this past year and really these past couple of months that I've had to come to terms with how much I valued my worth based on my title, my pay, uh, what people were telling me I was doing well, uh, based on awards that I won or things that I had been given or special, you know, accolades. And so that's really been the most recent one that I've had to dive into is I need to find something to tie my worth into that's internal versus external. I know that journey very well. Um, Cause last year that was my journey of quitting my business for four months because I was chasing, I was on like this no end in sight chase of getting more and more and more achieving more and more and more in order to be enough. And I realized like, this is not going to work because there's always going to be more to get or more to become or more to achieve. And if that's how I'm measuring my worth, then I'm never going to have it. So learning to take it on the inside um, is really like the journey of enoughness, right? A hundred percent. It's terrifying. That's a terrifying thought to have is I'm tying all of my worth into getting things done, checking things off a list, making things happen, getting accolades. Like it's terrifying to come to terms with that and then realizing okay, how am I okay just as I am, like 100% as me? Yeah, and then you get to this point where you're like, I've always been enough. Like, I didn't even need to do any of these things (laughs) to begin with. Like, I am inherently worthy. And then it makes you look through all of your patterns, I think, in in a much different lens of, so if I'm already enough, what changes for me? And that's that's a pretty big question. Um, And for me, it was like, it didn't mean that I stopped doing certain things, but the motive behind it shifted. I wasn't trying to prove myself anymore. Um, I was really doing things because this is what I felt called to do, or this was a dream that I really had. When I think one of those things that we hear so much, especially with mindset, right? We that mindset is key. Mindset is very important, which it is. But sometimes we're kind of fed that we can just change our mindset by changing, you know, any one thought. And I, and I know that monitoring our thoughts is extremely important. But what you said there, it's the motivation is what changes. Like that motivation, knowing that you're enough just as you are, is what creates the abundant mindset, right? Like that has to happen first before the abundance, that mindset can always be there. Because then as you do things, it's not to fill yourself up. It's not filling up your well of self. You're already full. You're just doing this because you want to, because you're passionate about it, because there's purpose in it, because you're helping people, whatever it is, it's this completely different motivation than I need to make myself whole. And so I need to gather all these things or find all these people or be in these right places. Yeah. I love, I love the concept of becoming whole. Like that is something that is very near and dear to me because there is, I don't think any better way of arriving for yourself than coming home to yourself and knowing you're enough just as you are. That to me is such a solid foundation to live your life from because it's so grounded in love. So I want to go back to um, a part of your story that you were mentioning of, you know, rewriting your story and realizing that certain things were kind of coming back up and they have a tendency to come back up and resurface. I would love to dig into that because I think oftentimes we think that once we've done some healing work in a certain area, like we're good, we've put that in a little box, we put it up on a shelf in a closet and we're like, never have to look at that again. And when it, <laughs> when it comes tumbling out of the closet, we're like, wait a minute, what are you doing back out here? Been there, done that. <laughs> And I think it's really, um, it's an interesting phenomenon. And I know when it's happened for me, I've been like, 
did I not do something right or did I not do something enough? And the way I've kind of looked at it is that this is coming up for a reason. It's coming up for deeper healing and perhaps I have more wisdom now than I did back then to really dive a little bit deeper for myself. What's been your experience when things resurface? Do you have a tendency to kind of be surprised by them or you're like, hello? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you bring it back to story too because I think that's a big part of becoming whole is being able to own all these different pieces of our story that we've tried to put in boxes or shove under the rug or pretend don't exist. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when different things come up that I realize I have to do this healing work again, I was talking to one of my coaches the other day, uh, a while ago, I guess at this point, and she said, well, why don't you love yourself, Kelly? And I looked at her like, I've done that work. I love myself. I've been there. Like, I've already found self-love. Thank you. Like, move on. <laughs> and then I was, you know, processing it later being like, oh, maybe there's more to do. Like, maybe I'm not completely done, which is a huge blow to the ego because oh, you're yeah. like, I, I did that. I thought I did this already. <laughs> got better like I'm tired of this personal development crap like that's what I call it it's personal development crap like it's totally <laughs> important but sometimes it's so incredibly annoying and yes. so that's my first reaction I'm like I don't want to do this anymore I've already done this this is so annoying and that's when I have to really bring in that curiosity compassion and just be like okay what do I need in this moment usually it's something you know super loving super kind and then I can re-enter it with more of that kind of curiosity of what else can I learn what other pieces of love do I need to dive into? And, and for me, it's been a journey of how do I love myself on different levels and in different areas of my life? So mm -hmm. my definition of confidence, uh, and it's really wholeness and, and kind of enoughness. It's all of that. It's if I was standing on a podium one day and all these people were in a room asking me questions about my most vulnerable, shameful stories and experiences like they were there to dig at me and pull everything out how would I respond to these questions mm -hmm. how would I own what I've been through how would I stand there stand strong in who I am and what I've been through and where I'm going what I believe and the fact that I'm enough just as I am and so that's kind of been this image in my head for a while now and you can't dive into every single possible question all at once. It's just not how life works. That's kind of crazy and overwhelming. So I've realized that things come up as I need to take them on. So pieces of that story that I've been hiding and shoving under the rug come up in different ways, in different areas, and they're all leading me to different levels of loving myself, right? So it's first loving my body and respecting it. It's loving my body in relationship to food or loving myself by honoring what I eat and by not, you know, pressuring myself to look a certain way. And then we can dive in deeper. How do I love myself when I don't have the title I used to have? How do I love myself when I'm not making the money I used to make? How do I love myself when people aren't complimenting me every single day? So it's all of these different aspects, I guess, of, of enoughness and wholeness and completeness that are just kind of popping up in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and it's good, right? So that it's not happening all at once. Oh God, yes. <laughs> that we have to dive into some of these things that we already thought we did. <laughs> um, I love, love, love that exercise. And I, I would actually even take this in a little bit of a different direction for all of our listeners. So um, I'm writing a book. And when you write a book, at least my experience is a lot of stuff comes up of can I really share this stuff? And what are people going to say about this stuff that I'm sharing? Because there are definitely stories of my past that 
have given me the most wisdom, but they've caused me the most pain. And when you're about to open yourself up on that level, it's definitely feels like you're standing on that stage and all of these old stories are there asking you questions. And I think it's a really powerful exercise when you're about to expand into something, when you're about to step into the arena, as Brene Brown calls it, what questions are you most afraid of being asked? Because I think that that shines light on where you need to do a little bit more healing or you need to look at the story that is still present about that event. And maybe this is a good time for you to rewrite that. How can you find compassion in that story? How can you find more healing? How can you offer more forgiveness? And what will you say if that question is asked? Because I think it's often in those moments, like we're really afraid of somebody bringing something up like, oh my gosh, what if they find me out about this, right? But when you've really looked at this story and examined it, and you go back with the wisdom you have now, you say, you know, I made a mistake then. And if I could go back and do it all over, this is how I would have done it differently. You offer yourself a redo. And a redo is a really powerful way of, of realizing that the reason you feel the guilt, the reason you feel the shame is because you didn't act back then in accordance with the values you have now. And you couldn't have because you didn't necessarily have all of the wisdom that you have now. So there's almost like this level of compassion that, and forgiveness that goes into that, which is actually one of your tips for joy, right? So you say one of your first tips is always speak to yourself with curiosity and compassion, not judgment. So you put that to words better than I ever could. And I thank you because that is exactly what was in my head seeing that podium and it's this this idea of you do have so much more wisdom now that you're doing the absolute best that you could so that's when we can bring in the compassion mm -hmm. you were doing the best that you could with what you had and then the curiosity of what was underneath that what beliefs are different now what values were not were not, i'm not aligned with what wisdom have i learned because of that um, what purpose can I now see in that story because I can now turn around and help somebody else? And so that's where that curiosity really comes in. It's what was I hiding? What was I afraid of? What was I not letting out? Um, what did I not want people to see? And, and what was I afraid that they would think of me if I did something differently? Like allowing yourself to dive into all of those questions. And then, like you said, I love that exercise. If I could go redo it now, what would I do differently because of all of this wisdom that I now have, that I've learned along the way because of these stories I've been through yeah. and these experiences that I've been through? Yeah, and I, I feel like that process really leads us like into one of your other uh, tips is like really giving meaning to our story. So when you can understand that you went through something and maybe I, I believe that we go through things all things have a reason um, because they're teaching us something that we need to learn. And that's just like my personal belief system. But when we really go back and we look at what that experience gifted us, it gives us a lot more meaning of why we went through that in the first place. So I was watching the ESPYs of all things, um, whenever it was a couple of months back. And this, this one guy, Eric Berry gets on stage and he's giving a speech and he's talking about these two words and it was honor and legacy. And um, I think he was going through chemo at the time and his brother came in and gave him these two words, honor and legacy. And it was, you're honoring the people that have walked this path before you and you're leaving a legacy for the people that are going to walk the path after you. Mm. And so it's, it's understanding, yes, like this story, this piece of your story that you've been through is empowering to yourself because it gave you wisdom. It taught you something. There really is purpose in that. 
But even if it's so difficult for you to find that negative wisdom right now, if you're so in the depth of it that you can't even see the negative wisdom, there's no positive to it, then remind yourself that you're leaving a legacy, a footprint, as I like to say, for somebody who's going to walk after you. And that becomes the purpose. Knowing that you're walking this path so that when somebody walks it after you, you can lend a hand. You can raise your hand and say, me too, I've been there. I know what it feels like. It sucks. It's this, but you'll get through it. You get to all of a sudden have purpose simply because someone's going to walk after you and you're going to be able to help them. Yeah. And I think, you know, I tell a lot of, you know, the people that are close to me, they call me and they're talking about some really vulnerable things that they're going through. And I'm like, you know, you're going to help somebody someday because you've gone through this. And sometimes that's just enough hope to keep on walking that path because like the most difficult times for us, um, they're face down moments. And we wonder if we're ever going to become the person that we want to be, if we're ever going to have the life that we want to have, if we're ever going to learn how to deal with this pattern that keeps on coming up over and over and over again, are we ever going to overcome it? And I'd like to say, you know, every single time you're going through something, you're gaining a little bit more and a little bit more. And eventually it's going to be this beautiful little gift that you not only give you, but you can give to somebody else. And that's like having an impact which I know is something that's really important to you. That's, we get to have an impact by doing our own work. Yeah. When I, and I always like for a while, I thought there was something wrong with me because when, especially when you get into this coaching world, which I'm in, it's a lot of, I want to change the world, right? Like that's the motivation that drives me. And I was like, was there something wrong with me? Like, I don't really want to change the world. Like that doesn't light me up. That doesn't fire me up. And I realized it was because I, I care more about changing one person's lives or impacting one person's life. Like that's what fires me up. And that's what you get to do when you walk this path before somebody else is you get to turn around and help that one person um, and really give them inspiration to keep going. Because like you were saying, we want to know when we're in the depths of the depths in the darkness, can we ever be the people we want to be? Can we ever have the lives we want to have? And that's how I realized story was so important to me is every time something happened, big and small that I didn't want to be experiencing. I was on Google being like, uh, typing up, you know, like negative comment on YouTube or, you know, hard time moving across country, like whatever I was going through. I wanted to know that not only somebody else experienced it, but that somebody else got through it in a way that I wanted to get through it, that somebody else got where I wanted to go even after walking the path that I was walking. And so like, that's what made it so incredibly powerful in just understanding your story, owning your story, and then eventually being able to share that story. Mm, I love it. So your third tip, and just as a refresher for all of our listeners, um, Kelly's tips are always speak to yourself with curiosity and compassion, not judgment. To give purpose to your challenges, big and small, by turning any challenge into a story that will help another following in your footsteps. And lastly, on a regular basis, shut out the noise and get back in your own lane. So how does that third tip really tie into the first two? So the first two are are a little bit broader, right? Like, okay, I've got to speak to myself with curiosity and compassion. Like, I'm trying to do that. Uh, I want to give purpose to my challenges. Like, these are things that you have to remember to do. Mm-hmm. That third one, shutting out the noise, unfollowing people, unsubscribing pe- to, you know, to newsletters or, or different social media accounts, really designing your life with the environment and the people that support what it is that you want to be experiencing, that's how you do it a one-time thing, and it helps you remember these rest of these things forever, right? So if you filter the people that maybe you're comparing yourself to or the people that 
um, aren't supporting whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish or whatever mindset it is that you're trying to embrace. You want to fill your life and your environment and your social medias and your email inboxes with only things that support that. So I love that last one because it's super tangible. It's something that we can all do in 10 minutes is just go through our email inbox, unsubscribe from anything that just doesn't make you feel good. Go through social media, unsubscribe and unfollow from anything that doesn't make you feel good. Go through your house. Any messages you're getting that you just don't want to be receiving, put them away, throw them away, give them away. It doesn't matter, but it's super tangible. It can be done pretty easily and it's like a, a perfect way to kind of like kickstart some of those mindset changes that you want to be making. I totally agree. And it's almost like decluttering, like decluttering your life, decluttering your workspace, decluttering your mind. And make space. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I found like when I have been, and I, I sometimes forget this because <laughs> like I have a, a few friends on social media where they talk about um, a lot of like negative posts and negative stuff. And I'm like, I don't really see that much. And I guess it's because I've, I've just filtered, 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 filtered so much because I want to be very mindful of what I am consuming and what I am allowing in my, in my world, but focusing on your own lane, especially when you're in the vulnerable moments of writing or rewriting one of your stories, that's incredibly important. It's almost like, it's almost like protecting that vulnerable, soft part of you. Because I think when we're, we're, in, we're in that space, we're like looking for sometimes like a lifeboat, like a life raft to hold on to. And sometimes we can hold on to something that makes us feel even worse because we're not where that person is or we don't have it as together as that person. And that's really going to kind of spiral us down when are those vulnerable moments. Instead, like surround yourself with people who are keeping it real, who are sharing like the soft underbelly so you know you're not alone. Like those are the people that you want in your corner. Like those are the good life rafts to hold on to. So and that's, that's self-love. Like that's self-care. Like that's understanding yourself to know what it is that you need in the moment. And I think a lot of times we feel resistant to that because we kind of get these messages of I should be able to handle that or I shouldn't let them, you know, get the best of me or I shouldn't compare myself to them. And that's where this compassion comes in. You say, no, no, that we don't even have to go down that hole. Just, just let it go. It's totally allowed. It's not a personal thing. You're not attacking anybody else. You're not hating on anybody else by unfollowing. You're simply saying, I need to give myself this gift of space for right now. They're always going to be there. If you ever want to come back, you can. But it's this, this act of self-love, which that's what love is. It's a verb. It's not a feeling. Sure, it has a feeling, but it's mostly a verb. And so it's this act of love that you can give yourself as you're learning to fully love yourself. I love that. I love that. So for all of our listeners, um, Kelly is going to give you guys a free gift and you can find that in the show notes. It's titled, what stories are you sharing? The leader's guide to leaving a bigger footprint. Kelly, I want to say thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I have loved having you and I love your three tips for joy. Thank you. This has been so much fun and such a joy to be here. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we will see you again on Motivational Monday. Talk soon.